0: Hello, ciao, and welcome back to the Chronicles of a Black Italian Woman. My name is Benedetta Jumper, and I'm the host and creator of this podcast. Hello, people. Welcome, welcome, welcome back with another episode. I'm sure you're so bored right now about hearing my voice. So we are back with diaspora hood. Uh, the series of this podcast where you have the opportunity to hear from people from the African diaspora and different diaspora and get to learn about different experiences about what it means to be black in Italy but also around the world. So today I'm not by myself. Finally today I'm not alone. Today I have a very special guest which I really appreciate because listen she has like 90,000 almost 90,000 followers on instagram she's a boss lady she knows how to count her money and today for episode 10 of the chronicles of a black italian woman we have the one and only tia taylor hey tia
1: hey ben well thank you for such a nice intro thanks for having me
0: no worries. Thank you for being with me. I know like you're busy and I know like you're always on the go. You're always like working on things. So I really, really appreciate having you here tonight, t- today, tonight. Like, yeah, so we're at night time. Yeah.
1: Thanks again for having
0: think... me. No worries. So I normally start always with like a little check-in to check like, how you doing, Tia? How have you been? How's been your day? How are you doing? I'm all right. I mean, it's a it's
1: a pretty tiring period, I guess, um, mm-hmm. because you're very much in the middle of everything, in the middle of the pandemic, um, in the middle of different processes and goals. Because the pandemic, like, kind of, kind of, it totally messed everything up. So it's like. You're in the process of things, but you don't know when they're actually going to end, when they're actually going to close. And it's, uh, you're like in a constant state of just um, trying to get through it. <laughs> and we're all mm-hmm. going to get through it. So yeah, even today was kind of like that. But I think in general, I, I, at least for me, it's just a constant state of keeping going.
0: Mm, i feel you i feel you because especially this keep on going when you're thinking like oh when is this going to end like i i look back at my pictures like from last year and last year i was in milan and i think we were supposed to catch up but we didn't manage to and uh, like yeah and i was looking at my pictures of milan from last year and i keep on i keep on thinking how like we weren't expecting this to go this way, and we kept on saying like, "Oh, like it's gonna end in few months, in few weeks, we will be done, and we go back to normal." And uh, and is this keep going mood now for like now almost a year, or uh, more, a little bit more than that? So it's a bit, it's a bit. So no, absolutely feel you, like yeah. So we get into the episode. And uh I will start with um oh by the way Tia, I forgot to ask like I know like you went to the dentist recently and you had your wisdom teeth removed how is that going
1: it's going <laughs> I mean it's not comfortable that's for sure but again mm-hmm. you just got to keep going
0: <laughs> still
1: have to what you're going to this do. week so
0: yeah I know and thank you for being with us this by all of it all like yeah so let's start with like my very first question uh for you so i've been following you actually for five years on youtube and instagram and like we became friends by ranting to each other literally on socials and i love everything about your journey you know you came here as a university student you went for your objective and, and then you just shine at the venice international film festival like you looked stunning and yeah. and also no worries and also you became a homeowner as well so here's here's my first question for you like i know you were born and raised in the states um and you grew up with your Jamaican mother, but I see like you're really like connected to Nigerian culture, especially music, which represents your dad's side. Um, on on my side, like I grew up as uh, as child of Ghanaian immigrants in Italy and I kind of struggled to fully connect with Ghanian culture because uh especially like i think for example of Ghanian music and i will see that as something like as my parents music but not as my music and then when i moved to london i i really got into Afrobeats, especially getting to know more like people like british people like black british people of african descent and so how were you able to like develop like your knowledge and connection with Nigerian culture and especially probably I would like to hear from you today like what uh, how is this so important for you like why is it so important for you to connect to your roots
1: well, it wasn't as hard as people would think because, I mean, Nigerians make it very easy. They're very loud and very present. And so I actually mm-hmm. first connected through, to the culture through the movies and the film industry because when oh. I was growing up in like 2007, 6, 8, mm-hmm. like that period, Nollywood was just kind of like breaking out into the diaspora And so it was actually really popular Mm -hmm. even within the Caribbean community. So my Jamaican grandmother and her friends would buy Nollywood movies when they would go to New York and then come back to Connecticut, and we'd all watch them as a family. And it was kind of interesting because, you know, in Nigeria, there are different ethnicities. And so the Mm -hmm. ethnicity that we were identifying with in the movies, really, it wasn't my dad's ethnicity, Um, but it was the ethnicity, the Igbo ethnicity that speaks English. And it lives in, a, in one section of Nigeria. And it was really interesting because I was touching into Nigerian culture, but not even my Nigerian culture, if that makes any sense. But it was yeah. good because at a pretty young age, I had already kind of had contact with pigeon and the different cultural aspects, at least to the Igbo community of Nigeria. Then as I would get older... I would have a bit more connection with my dad. And then I started also getting into Afrobeats because Afrobeats started going off when I was around in high school. And it Mm. kind of came full circle when I moved here to Italy. And, you know, life in Italy was a journey in and of itself. And I feel like that journey kind of came full circle when I realized that a lot of the things that I'm unhappy with in the West will say, because we'll we'll be honest, I mean, if I'm still in Italy, it's because I didn't feel like going back to the States for some reason. And even here in Italy, Mm -hmm. there are some things that are less than ideal. And I always question my future here. Well, Africa, to me, it's yes, our past, but it's also the future. And so it mm-hmm. kind of also answers your question as to why it's so important to me to keep these roots and to keep um, connecting with my father's roots um, because it gives me hope and it gives me like a plan B. So yeah, I, the, the, getting into contact with the culture was easier than I expected. It was something very natural. It was something that just happened. I didn't go searching for it. And it's important to me because I really do think that Africa is
0: our future. And with that, we're wrapping up, like, yeah, with that, thank you so much, Tia, like, yeah, we're wrapping up, we're leaving the podcast, like, that's it, that's the main <laughs> thing, that's why we're here, like, yeah. Like, yeah, no, so, you, honestly, you said it beautifully. First of all, I'll start with the fact that I'm actually surprised that, that, that Nollywood was breaking through the Caribbean community. That's something that I didn't know. Like, well, because anyway, initially, like, most people that I know are African descent are not from the Caribbean. I got more in culture with the Caribbean community when I lived in London, but I didn't know like they were so big among the Caribbean community. That's something very interesting to know. And uh, like, yeah, also the fact that you connect more to the Igbo culture compared like is your dad Yoruba? Do I remember yeah, that yeah. correctly? He is.
1: he is. And I think it was just yeah. a matter of availability because at the time Yoruba movies were mostly in Yoruba and my English speaking family uh, didn't feel like going through uh, reading subtitles and stuff. So they picked the ones that were in English. So those were the Ibo ones. And, um, Yeah. I don't know why it took off. Uh, I think that people probably liked seeing a bit more representation of themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. I also think that, you know, Nollywood dramas are very fresh. I mean, I feel most of the time when I watch stuff from Hollywood, it's like, I already know what's going to happen. It's so predictable at this point. We've seen everything over and over again. Whereas with Nollywood, they, they, it looks like they'll never run out of ideas the way that it's so creative. So, I think that with word of mouth, and you know, there was the mass distribution of it, that everybody was selling it and buying their little DVDs, and it just kind of exploded. But I'm sure that if it was going like this in the Caribbean um, community, it was obviously going huge in the African community in the US. And now that Nollywood is getting more mainstream um, culture and the, but the films are getting more uh, higher budget, we're seeing it reach. Mm-hmm like african-american mainstream as well so
0: yep yeah that's so like that's so good that's so you see like that's why i love like doing this podcast and like having guests because i get to learn even a lot more like if because i would say i grew up watching nollywood movies and sometimes i'll be like oh that's odd and sometimes i'll be like sometimes that honestly like as you said they never stop to surprise you so sometimes i will go find myself sitting there and like watching some crazy story. I'm just like, like, whoa, that's impressive. And then I would end up like watching like, I think I will end up and especially now with Netflix if, and, and the way like the industry has improved as well you're just that like now you will find it even more entertaining and as you said even about the creativity I think that's something that people now are realizing more and probably only will go ballistic with Netflix because you're seeing like more like more like content from different cultures so I think for example I watch a lot of k-drama but I don't think I would have watched it like a few years ago without Netflix because uh, because it's just like the accessibility that you have to other cultures and different like ways of narrating like stories it's just so refreshing as you said so it's just for me it sounds like I don't know I'm just so like impressed and amazed about it and I think also the fact that probably like I don't know like I I know it's different, like, the Patois is different from Pigeon English, but I wonder, could it be, like, that connection as well, that girl like...
1: Absolutely, absolutely, I don't know
0: mm -hmm. how, but I was understanding what
1: they were saying, and my grandmother was Mm. understanding what they were saying. I can't, I can't... Pigeon, like I can try to copy what they're saying, but I can't come out and come out with a sentence. But when they speak, I understand them. So it's very interesting. I don't know if um, Patwa is easily understood by Africans, uh, but I can say that um, at least Nigerian pigeon was understood by my Jamaican family. And and I mean that's the cool thing about yeah. the diaspora: the fact that. 500 Mm -hmm. years later 500 years of separation and we're still able to contact like we're still able to communicate with each other that's insane
0: yeah I I think that that's the beauty of it all like it's just the beauty of it all like I, I think it's absolutely like impressive I have another curiosity about like cinema I guess so there's like for example Jamaica as a production of movies and cinema like the same way that like not we have like nollywood for example
1: no it does not um jamaica used to be mm. much they put a lot more emphasis on plays actually and um they would okay. produce plays but i actually think that nollywood and african movies might have even substituted that um that segment. Uh, Every once in a while, yes, Jamaica will come out with a big blockbuster film, a normal budgeted film. But if you go to Jamaica and you turn on the TV, you'd be surprised. Like there are Indian channels, there are Chinese channels, there are South African channels, and you also have access to Nollywood. So they're kind of like Italy in the sense that they import a lot of their media from other places. And of course, in Jamaica, you have access to the Hollywood an American industry,
0: so no they don't mm-hmm. they don't have it like Nollywood actually well that's so like that's just so good to know, and of course, I think about the Indian and Chinese channels because especially like in Jamaica, there is like people of yeah Indian there's a lot Chinese community. descent as well, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah that's uh, I'm just like already mind blown with the first question. I'm just there, like look at me, like be here, be educated and <laughs> open so you are listening like you getting educated as well because I don't know I just I always love like seeing the connections between different culture and especially- different cultures, and especially when that happens between the African diaspora like I just I don't know too, I'm just it. for it's it. mind it's
1: mind blowing
0: it's <laughs> it is indeed. So I actually discovered you, Tia, when I was moving back to, to Italy. After some time in London, I was like, you know, I'm tired. Like, let me just move back to Italy. And I was just really searching a lot about, like, what it means for me now living in Italy as an adult, young, adult Black woman in today's Italian society. So, like, I'm curious, like, how was your view about Italy and the Afro-Italian community and racism have changed throughout the years.
1: Well, more than changed, I guess I've just become more aware and my view Mm -hmm. is just more nuanced. When I first came to Italy, I mean, I was 18 and I had never lived outside of the States as cultured as I thought that I was having foreign parents and growing up in a multicultural society. There were still a lot of things missing. And so when I first came to Italy, I had no idea anything about like American privilege or... Really, even classism, because yes, classism exists in the US, but I have to say it's a completely different thing in old world countries like the UK, continental Europe, con- European countries. Like, classism is just it's I think perceived a lot differently so when I first came here and I wasn't aware of all of these other factors in play and Italians were being nice to me because I was American I confused that with there being not an absence of racism but you know racism being less harsh because it wasn't affecting me in a very harsh way but then you grow up you meet other people you learn more about the world and you understand more of the nuances and I definitely you know recognize why i was being treated a certain way and what the actual reality is and i think the biggest thing for me is that you know i know i know a lot of black americans here that you know they choose to live in their bubble that's the thing when you have privilege you have a choice you can ignore Mm. the problems around Mm. you or you cannot and a lot of people with privilege choose to ignore the problems around them and that's just not the kind of person that i am i i couldn't I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that this is how it is for me and this is how it is for some of my friends. And then even worse than that, like if I think about having future children, my future children aren't going to be the American, um, they call them expat, even though I would love to get this, uh, flush this word from our vocabulary because it's so seeped in classism. Um, but my kids wouldn't be seen mm-hmm. I as American expats, they would be black Italians, and they would have that set of reality onto them. So it, it, more than how my pr- opinion has changed, I think it's just evolved. And I've become more
0: aware of things. Yeah, no, that's so good I love I love hearing that and hearing the growth and the fact that you acknowledge that and like how like you evolved and change and yeah I, I still found your videos even the old ones helpful because I think sometimes even like for me they were helpful because I feel like I also missed at some point some some shades of like dynamics between Italian society after like living abroad, because Mm -hmm. for the longest time, like, okay, I knew like Italy had raised these issues, but at some point I saw like Italy changing. I saw myself getting more opportunities. So when I moved uh, to the UK and then I moved back and I started seeing like, okay, more Afro-Italians getting opportunities, more Afro-Italians be like vocal on social media. So I was like, oh, that's the good time to move, like, Italy is changing, it's becoming, like, probably a more multicultural society, so I made a mistake of, like, kind of staying on the surface level, because I wasn't, like, living here for the longest time, and then, like, of course, you get, like, reminded and be, like, oh, okay, actually, you know what, like, that same old country that is, like, (laughs) that same old, same old, like, just a little bit different, of course, that's changed, I feel like, from how I grew up like I wouldn't even say see a black sailor system for example like growing up and now I see like different people in different roles although like it's still like a small percentage still so like yeah definitely like I, I appreciate like you like acknowledging that and like sharing that uh with us with me as well um uh, so uh I think so do you think how has this impacted like your views about Italy specifically and the Afro Italian community, like you had opportunity. What was that? Like what has changed throughout the years? Like with your view, like yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I mean, I don't view the Afro Italian community as a monolith, but just like I don't view Mm -hmm. Black people in general as a monolith, so I don't have any um hard fast opinions on Afro Italians. Um, in general, I do feel like the home of the Black diaspora is in Africa at this point in time. Um, Just different factors, the way that, you know, where Africa is in the world right now and where the world is going, I think it would Mm -hmm. be a bit silly for us to miss out on what is happening in Africa right now to be here. (laughs) I mean, no offense to here. Um, I'm still American. America is my home. But If I'm going to put my energy into something, I would rather it be building up back, not even building up, but contributing to positively, contributing to and helping um, my father's country, Nigeria, than, you know, Mm -hmm. ending racism in the United States or in Italy. Like if I'm going to put my energy into something one sounds much more fulfilling. Uh, I'm not, I'm still doing what I can in Italy. I'm still trying to affect positive change, but you know, I was not born to fix this place or its race issues. And I feel like that goes for any Western country. Whereas I can, I can see myself, um, contributing to the betterment of Nigeria. And at least I can feel fulfilled by that. I don't know why, but I would feel fulfilled by that. I don't, I don't feel fulfilled fighting racism and arguing with white people.
0: That's fair. That's a fair enough point. I think that's a fair enough point. Like, yeah, I think that's fair enough. And uh, like, I've, I, I find it interesting. I find it important. I get told of by my, my father all the time for the fact that I'm not as connected I'm supposed to be to my roots. Like, I mean, like I'm working on it. I'm still working on it. I still like I'm not completely disconnected. Um, will I come to the point of thinking like, oh, will I move back? I don't know yet, because for different variety of reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think that's also like I, I absolutely I do agree with you with the fact that now africa is like fast like going fast and developing fast like this pandemic has not affected as much if i'm not mistaken correct me you are the economic person I'm not but I remember looking at the last data it doesn't seem like has affected as much the growth of Africa for example or the growth in Asia for example the economic growth meanwhile we see like in the western world is affected like it, it, affect, it affected the economic growth between the west so I absolutely like hear you and see where you're coming from and definitely we have enough data and Really I'm to see that like actually the future is no longer in the old world but is in what we will define the newer world but although like I don't even like this definition because it reminds me of Colombo and we don't need that so <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah let's go for other definitions so like yeah but yeah no thank you so much like so so insightful honestly like i'm enjoying this conversation right now so let's go a little bit like a little bit more candid i guess like you and i we both go to therapy like here in italy and i remember you also mentioned that you used to go to therapy in the us as well and i honestly observed like between the african diaspora there is like a big stigma around like mental health and mm-hmm. therapy And I feel like this stigma is also present in Italy as well. I feel like the conversation is still like, it's just starting here. So as much as I've seen my parents as open-minded, um, I didn't really have a conversation with Deb about me going to therapy because I think like I'm an adult and I don't have to over explain myself Mm -hmm. I'm just curious like were your parents like supportive of you like going to therapy because I can imagine you were underage when you were in Mm -hmm. the US yeah yeah actually
1: I was pretty lucky in the sense that my mom was super forward-thinking because she had been to therapy before before we were born um she had already been through it, so she was definitely in a different mindset. And when I was going through those rebel teenage years with hormones and hating everybody, um, yeah, one of the first things that she did was put me into some programs, uh, some of which, one of which was therapy. And it did take a while to um, find what worked for me, because I found that you know individual sessions with random—I mean, I don't want. I, I, I'm going to be that person that keeps bringing up race. But yes, white therapists, they just didn't work out with me for me as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old. For a while I did well in group therapy sessions, um, mm. but that those group therapy sessions actually ended up being led by a black therapist, a black female therapist Ooh. who I did end up um having individual sessions with her afterwards. So because when you go into therapy, a lot of people don't know that it's not just automatically going to work for you. Therapy is a relationship as well. And so you have to find the right one. So I was really lucky to be able to go through that early to know exactly in my mind what I needed and what I wanted. So when it came time in Italy, when, you know, I just couldn't I couldn't handle everything on my own anymore and then it came time to looking for a therapist you know I was very specific I said I mean if I'm going to be paying for therapy in this country it needs to be somebody that's going to understand my issue and if I can't find it in this Mm -hmm. country eventually I'll find somebody online uh whether it be the UK or the US to talk to but I needed certain requisites filled because of what I saw um in my younger years. And so, no, my mom was completely supportive. She was the one that got me into this in the first place. My dad, less so. My dad is very, th- the very stereotypical why do you need therapy? Uh, just meditate or read a book. Or thankfully, I mean, luckily, he's not, he doesn't tell me to go pray. So, I mean, it could be worse. <laughs> um, but um, no, it, it, it is very usual. And it, I mean, it's unfortunate because if you just think about the unnecessary amount of struggle and suffering that our community has to go through, I mean, it's mental Mm. anguish to even watch the news and move in this world. And then you add to the fact that you add on top of that, the fact that it's not even socially acceptable for you to get help with that. I mean, it's Mm. completely unfair, but that's where we're at. But that's one of the reasons why I speak so openly about it so that it can be seen as normal so that it can be seen as something Mm -hmm. that we can and we should be doing because your mental health is your health as well
0: yes no I absolutely agree like it took me a bit to be honest to like get like to be like oh yeah like hey guys I'm going to therapy and I started sharing it on this podcast about the fact that I started going to therapy, but like, yeah, I think it's amazing the fact that your mom went already through that process and she was able to put you that through because honestly, I feel like it's like, it's helping you. Like it's helping like the next generation as well. Like I think it's part of the process, process to break like certain patterns to also like heal and to be like to be better like supportive as like let it be as a daughter as a mother as a partner like it's a very like it's very helpful it's very healing and as you said like we go through so much and we are expected to like just get on with it you know when when like you deal with racism and then you mix that with misogynoir and then you mix that with something else and then you go and tell people like people as lighting you like you're just there like what's like what's going on like at some point you start even like kind of questioning yourself right absolutely because like in the moment like your feelings are not validated you're just there like but why am I feeling that way and for me therapy has been helpful a lot to even like even sometimes validate my feelings because I'm the first one that sometimes I'm just there like, oh, okay, just ignore it, just get on with it. But actually to sit there and process like, okay, even just what we went through between 2020, like even as a a black community, like globally, because at the end of the day, it affects us globally. Mm -hmm. I think like to just sit through and process that, and having the means and the tools to process that, I think, is so important. And when people just say like, "Oh, it's just racism, it's just an ignorant person," that's a, that's what they will tell you in Italy. Like, I'm just there, like, no, like it's freaking trauma. Like, and it's not like the first time that we experience experienced it that. It's like repeated, so. We have to process it. We need places to process it. And I like the fact that you pointed out, uh, like your experience, like dealing with a, the difference between dealing, like in this case, a white therapist, which is not a given that a white therapist may not understand, like exactly. what you're going through, no,
1: or that a yeah, black therapist will understand, but it's probability, we'll say,
0: yeah yeah the chances are higher like it's not a given but the chances are higher so i think absolutely it's so important like and i'm glad i found a black women as well here because like i, I don't know I, I don't think i would be in the same place that i am right now without the, tr- the help of therapy like of, of course like i believe in different things uh i'm a believer as well like but also i also don't like the fact that people just be like go and pray about it i'm just like it's just that's not only like the only part you need to do like there is so much that you need to do and you can do better than that so like mm-hmm. that's just like I don't know like sometimes i I think people don't realize the amount of like emotions and labor that something we need to do it's uncomfortable but it's needed and that makes it healthier as well so no i really appreciate you sharing that and also found interesting group therapy like that's like i don't know i don't think here in italy is very common i know they race but probably it's not as common
1: i have no idea about
0: the italian system because um i don't know
1: uh but yeah Yeah. but but it's the point the fact that there are many different types of therapy and there are very many different mm-hmm. types of approaches. And so, you know, it's just about yep. finding the one that works for you. This is the double-edged sword. I mean, on the one hand, it's positive mm-hmm. because you know there's something out there that's going to work for you. There are so many options. But on yeah. the other hand, it sucks because you have to pay to figure out which
0: one actually works for you. Yeah, that's the most frustrating part. I remember I was watching the video, I think, for... Uh... I'm so bad with names. But I believe it's Nyam if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And uh, she was sharing, like, she's, like, this YouTuber, she's darker skin. she's famous for uh, videos, like, because yeah, she tested, like, the darkest shade. Like, yeah, her. And I was, like, I was shocked at the amount of money that she spent to, like, find the right therapist. And she also shared about the fact that, oh, uh, I actually had to spend X amount of money and not everybody can do that. Yep, it's
1: and true.
0: Yeah. So it's also like insane about the fact like how we still need to work I think through like about the fact that mental health is health and also about the fact like of accessibility and maybe make more accessible the different approaches as well that they are to therapy too. So people can like better support themselves as well. So, like, yeah, that's so, yeah, that's so good. So, uh, uh, after therapy's question, I have another question about, like, yeah, what differences, like, do you say between the Afro-Italian community and, I don't say in this case, Black American community? Like, what differences do you see mainly between like the two?
1: Mm, I mean, it's all pretty similar, but maybe just at a different um, stage of awareness. Mm Because I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to awareness, how aware you are about the systems in the world, how aware you are about Mm. other parts of the diaspora, what other people's experiences are. And um, I think that, and also just, you know, interacting with the society around you, in the states, of course, it's a bit different because you know the community is bigger and the community is more visible, mm-hmm. and so there yep. are some things that Afro Italians have to deal with that I didn't have to deal with. Um, when I was mm-hmm. in high school, I had my core group of black girl friends, and that was very useful in you know forming my identity, my self worth, and etc. Um, whereas, I guess in Europe. It's a double-edged sword. Also, here I do feel like here the black communities are more um, integrated into their, into the wider communities. Like for example, you're not going to have that a black Italian speaks a different type of Italian than a white Italian. Mm-hmm. Whereas in it America, mm-hmm. we have African American vernacular. We have our slang. We y- you can tell by the way somebody speaks by their voice sometimes if most times uh what ethnicity what race they are in america you don't have that in um europe from what i can tell especially not in italy at least or continental europe maybe in the uk it's different um so that's a double-edged sword because on the one hand you know maybe it can create a bit less friction in the wider society on the other hand Mm -hmm when you're living in this fake idea that you're not different, but you actually are different and society and the systems are treating you different, you never get to address the problem or treat the problem. So there are a lot of problems in Italy that seem new and seem fresh when actually they just weren't noticed before or addressed. One thing that was really interesting to me was just discovering, you know, how just the topic of representation, and diversity mm. in Italy. For example, the fact that when, the way the Italian census is set up for historical reasons, you mm-hmm. know, the Holocaust, uh, they don't take ethnic data on their citizens. Mm-hmm. There's actually no accurate count of how many black people, how many people of African descent are in Italy. You have the numbers of the legal registered foreign residents, but you don't know how many black Italians there are. They don't take that data. And so what you hear on the news based on the fact that you don't, there there is no number and it's assumed to be small, that Italy is not di- di- a diverse place. But just the foreign mm-hmm. numbers alone, the foreign people of African descent, it's around 1.2 million. That's not including mm-hmm. Black Italians. And in the UK, Black British are 1.9 million. So mm. these numbers aren't as different as you would think. And yet, for some reason, the UK, we think of the UK and we think of cosmopolitan, um, diverse country, and we think of Italy and we think of mono-ethnic country. So obviously, this mindset, this the fact that this is the um, dominant mindset affects everything else. Even you as a Black Italian, you don't even know the, the depth probably to how diverse your country actually is and what people are actually doing. And then if you don't see it, you don't have you don't know what you can be. Seeing seeing is to believe. And so that Mm. is a problem that I'm personally trying to tackle a lot in my work. It is giving a wider and more accurate representation of ethnic minorities in Italy, because it's not the rhetoric that they say in the news and the rhetoric that they say in the public discourse is that Italy is changing. But the truth of the matter is Italy already changed like 10, 20 years ago. It just is never talked about. It's never shown. And so here we are to show it because when you show it, that's when people's mindsets change and that's when the country can move forward. So, I mean, there are definitely some differences and it's, it's all based on, you know, historic, uh, context, but we still have the same problems. We still have colorism issues. We, even though it manifests differently, we still have this, the misogynoir (laughs) and this weird thing of, you know, how black women and black men interact with each other within the community. Um, we still have the issue of, you know, Even in America, there's this idea or not idea, but I mean, it's a widely held belief that uh, native born or American blacks have less opportunity than foreign blacks. And I mean, I think that Mm. in Italy, that that is also the perception. Um, So it's different flavor, but it's the same. And it's interesting, I guess, (laughs) weird, interesting. I don't know what to say, but that's my little analysis of it.
0: Yeah, no, I really enjoy it because I can tell like you're very good with numbers. So with me, as soon as you start a number, like it doesn't stick in my head. So like you're very good in numbers and I like how you brought the numbers up. I respect
1: myself because the numbers are very confusing. I can't remember if that Um, 1.2 million is people that identify as Afro-Italian or the actual number of um, legal residents in Italy from African countries that don't have a, Italian citizenship. The thing is, they don't keep the numbers in such a clear way. But if you go on ISTA mm. and download all the numbers, you will see that, anyways, the number of foreign-born Blacks are this, and there are some more Blacks in the Italian number, but we don't know how many or how little, because they don't count them.
0: Yeah, I think it could, there is an higher chance that is actually like foreign-born that identifies black i think that's the high chance but there could be a confusion there due to the italian citizenship law so that could also be the case so yeah no you brought like you brought very good points about the fact like the fact not having like race between the senses which at first i was kind i kind of the italian idea but i was like When I was living in the UK, I was like, why do I have to put the fact that um, um, I have to put, like, usually I think it's African or Afro-Caribbean between, like, a job application or something like that. Like, I used to be very confused by that because I grew up in a society where kind of, like, you don't really mention it. Like, we know you're Black, but let's not mention it. Although we all know that I'm black, so like what, like what's happening around here? Yeah. So the
1: European, the European logic. Until I saw the other direction, because what I see is that here mm-hmm. use the fact that there aren't numbers as validation to saying people don't exist when they actually do.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: as there yep. aren't numbers yep. to prove that you're mm-hmm. there and this is happening, it's like it, it, it it's not. And so, unfortunately. I think that some statistics need to be kept. I, I get the, I get no, mm-hmm. no, peculiar, like why people would be perplexed as to why you have to say black, that you're black. And I, and I do have, there are some flaws in the systems where they do take racial censuses, um, but mm-hmm. I saw the other face of the coin and I really don't know what, what's worse because it's yeah. at least when you have the numbers, you exist
0: yeah no I absolutely agree like I think the numbers are much needed because something that people say that is say like in a way to keep on denying like the rights like citizenship rights to keep on denying like equality equity and equal access is always like oh but there aren't enough black people in Italy to talk about this and I'm just there like Listen, I come come from Brescia, so definitely I know there are enough black people in this country to like be acknowledged and realize that okay there are people that are actually making impact within this country and there are black professionals and there are black people that that need to be acknowledged and this goes the same way like also for other communities as well like Italy or like especially depending on the different areas like it's pretty diverse like I see like going back home, for example, when I go back to Brescia, it reminds me so much of London sometimes. And I'm just there, like, wait. And we always say like Italy is not diverse. And that's it.
1: When I first got off the train in Brescia, and then I was shocked when I got off the train in Lecco. And then I was shocked when I got off the train in Bergamo. Because every time, I mean, I've been all around Italy. And I know that people, first of all, I think that Milan is one of the most if, I think Milan is the most diverse big city. I know that people will argue with me, mm-hmm. okay, Rome is pretty diverse, Bologna is pretty diverse. Mm. You don't see people in Rome and uh, um, Bologna like in Milan where you see different people of different ethnicities doing different things. Um, and then yep. once you get to the suburbs, since it's very expensive to live in the center of Milan, once you get into suburbs, that's mm-hmm. when you really see the diversity. So like- Absolutely. As you said, when I went to Bergamo, it was basically like being back home in terms of ethnic diversity. And then you're not really surprised that this is the whole birthplace of Lega Nord. Uh, but mm, yep. to say that, the, that Italy is not diverse or there's no diversity in Italy, it's not true. It's not the reality
0: yeah it's not accurate like yeah definitely like Italy has changed for such a long time but it's been a failure of acknowledging it because especially I feel especially I feel like due to the fact that our par- like I feel like my parents generation did they, they have the same chances maybe to advocate for themselves although there are people like there are people like advocating for them I feel like they didn't have probably the same strength as the community because especially when you are like first-generation immigrant and you come to a country, it's kind of like, oh, you got to keep it down and get the job done. So... I Feel like with that as well, and the fact that in Italy there wasn't like as much access to certain opportunities to, due to the fact that you couldn't convert your degrees um, to certain jobs, especially for immigrants. I felt that like I kind of stopped the conversation and as an enabled people to fully acknowledge the way that Italy has changed. But now, like, you see people from my generation, and we're just there, like hello, we're here, we're here to stay, we're taking up space. So, like, yeah, no, absolutely great points about about that. So, as you already mentioned that you're working on, like, changing the narratives about Italy, can you tell us a little bit more about your project, Colori, how it's born and uh, what the project consists in?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, Colotti came about because after the Black Lives Matter, um, I don't even want to say the movement because the movement has been was born when I was still in America, so it's not this. Yep. Movement, but we'll say the latest episode um, after George Floyd, uh, there was an there was a global awakening, and what I liked about this time was that you know. When the hands went up went by the white Italians to say, oh, well, look at America. Oh my gosh, it's so bad in America. The black people here were like, "Um, actually, actually, do we want to talk about the things that happen here every day? Like you guys are so quick to point at those white people, but what about you? And so for... I think the first time since I've been here, there was a huge push in Italy to, you know, have this conversation. And it was also the first time that you saw a lot of, you know, the white majority being open to listen because before they weren't. And so, we had yep. this idea that I work on social media and I just thought, wouldn't it be cool to have a page that was dedicated to ethnic diversity in Italy? And then little by little, it developed into what it is. So, you know, it's called Colori and um, for English speakers, Colori in Italian means colors and we spell it to, instead of using the i the traditional italian i we use a a y because a y isn't actually present in the italian alphabet so it's like a foreign letter and it looks foreign but the sound is completely the same and it's supposed to symbolize the fact that the i turned into a y so it's a metamorphosis (laughs) and also it's like becoming something new and more it has two points instead of one and the point of this this entity colori is to say, you know, Italy has changed, so it's time for us to tell about this change, to talk about this change, and the whole thing is just, you know, showing different, showing representation in Italy around the different spheres. Right now, we principally do. Um, profiles on interesting people, and there are so many of them. Uh, We talk to um, healthcare professionals, artists, actors, um, lawyers, bankers, uh, entrepreneurs of all different backgrounds in Italy. They're all in Italy doing amazing things. And every once in a while, we do take the opportunity to put out some educational content and bring certain foreign concepts to Italy because A big issue with social justice in Italy is that it's often not in Italian. Like people will say diversity and inclusion, piuttosto di diversità e inclusione. And there's a problem in that Mm -hmm. because it makes it seem. The problem with this is that so long as you think that a concept is foreign and you think of a concept as this faraway thing, you you, you can't internalize it and fix it that's a problem if you think diversity is some American thing. It's some UK thing. Diversity has to be an Mm -hmm. Italian thing. So another part of our like mission is to bring a lot of these concepts and localize them in Italian to an Italian um, audience. And I mean, so far the the response has been great. We launched about eight weeks ago and we have a thousand followers. Um, A lot of them are white allies, which is useful because I mean – Uh, our community already knows these things. Um, But it's important for the white majority to know them as well, because as much as it's uncomfortable to say, I mean, really the power is in their hands. That's, that's the truth of it. Italy will change when the white majority feels like changing it. So it's their minds that we have to try to, I don't want to say change, but that, that's the source. So I'm very happy with how the project is going and I'm very hopeful for its future. Um, We'll see,
0: we'll see. Well done, great job. Like, yeah, I'm really enjoying the page. Like, I like the content that it's bringing out there. There've been all these conversations, but I think it's bringing in a new format as well. And I like the fact that you said on the importance of using Uh, using the Italian language to explain certain concepts because I think sometimes, I sometimes think like why is there such a disconnect between me and my friends that I grew up with about the conversation that we are having and I think oftentimes it's because actually like I know English and sometimes maybe a concept comes quicker to me in English compared to Italian and uh, I think so the content that Colori puts out I think is absolutely important and it's an important project and it's doing it's doing amazing and I really like I really like I really inspired and it's great what you're doing yeah yeah I really I'm I'm, I'm honestly really enjoying it and I think something else came to my mind yeah I'm like as well like when you were saying about the awakening in Italy I was honestly shocked like when I saw people in Piazza del Popolo in Rome waking up and decided to go and protest and I was like okay we see you like where were you all at when we were trying to pass the law for the citizenship law (laughs) for the change for that where were you all at do you think that is disconnected from black lives matter like i'm just saying like yeah so on one side it was a frustration on my side about that because especially like being an activist for a different amount of years is like where were you all at before and but on the other hand, I'm just like it seems finally some of you are actually listening, so frustrating because we just there like we told you so, <laughs> and uh, you all don't listen, but whatever it is that you all decided to wake up today, like good to know that you have woken up today and well, let's keep it up and let's not have it only performative. So I think we're coming towards the end. So I'm trying to I want to wrap up some questions. I think I will join some questions. So talking about performative, uh, can we talk about briefly about the Italian influencer community and how has it been for you being a black American influencer in Italy? Hmm.
1: Well, I mean that is something that I don't, I don't know. A lot of times I don't even perceive myself to be a part of it, if I'm being honest. Uh, I have a couple of mm. friends that are Italian influencers and I see them as just that, my friends who happen to have the same job as me. And so sometimes we can have useful and interesting conversations on our job. But at the end of the day, if mm-hmm. I'm speaking to you, it's because there's a personal connection there. Um I I don't know. I'm very, I'm strange in the sense that I don't get starstruck very easily. And I don't know if it's because, I don't know why it is. But I'm, to put it short, not even watching these people. (laughs) I have my eye on the prize. I have my eye on colori I have my eye on making my content the best that it can be. And so I really don't know or see what uh the wider community is doing in, in in that sense
0: yeah that's for sure no I feel the same like sometimes my friends they ask me all the time they would be like you don't follow I'm not gonna make names because let's just keep it simple <laughs> but you don't follow the, mo- the most popular influencer in Italy which if you know you know like yeah and I'm just they're like no I don't and I just they're like why it is so funny I'm just they like I don't honestly don't think they're bringing anything relevant to my life. Like I don't, I don't see. (laughs) Like I don't honestly see what they're bringing relevant to my life and to what I'm interested in. So actually, what happens is I actually majority of the people that I follow are like, uh, like black or like uh, foreign origins, and that are Italian or like have different backgrounds. Because honestly, I can't relate to the content more compared to other contents. I occasionally watch some stories if they got sent to me. But honestly, I'm not really into the Italian influencer community. But some like really I yeah, I think well, I've maybe watch a couple or maybe not even to be completely honest. So I can't I honestly, mean I think I'm a couple really... is
1: honestly all you need because I mm-hmm. I love frivolous content as much as the next person but I also need yep. to have time to do my own stuff. So if I'm following yeah, a thousand people, I, it's hard to follow all of them. But if you have, you know, mm-hmm. two, three that inspire you, make you feel good, then why not? And in fact, my Italian influencer friends are, you know, the few that inspire me and I actually enjoy watching their content. But yep. in terms of like the group as a
0: as a macro
1: and, it, and it's not just them. I don't really follow Americans either. So they don't have to feel mm. offended.
0: Yeah. Please don't feel offended if you're listening to this podcast. Like, don't feel offended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't feel offended. It's just like, yeah. It's just about like, what's relevant, I guess. To, just general. Your, 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 yes, in general. Like, what's relevant to you? What's relevant to me? Like, but so keep, keep, keep up the work, okay? Like, yeah. So, so like, we're coming towards the end. So I have one question more related to actually like today is the day after the famous holiday about like lovers. So Tia, you are in a relationship with an Italian guy. So I have like, yeah, I have the biggest curiosity about that for some time, which is like, especially like. I feel like now as an adult I became more aware of my like blackness the way I navigate the world and everything as uh I'm just curious about like the conversation that you have with your partner and his family about like the way you navigate your world as a black woman and Mm -hmm. also probably my question is um you know like when you were getting together with your partner like uh, did it ever cross your mind? Like the question if is it into black women? Because that's a question I even ask myself when let's say I'm interested in a brother. By right. a brother, I mean like a black guy. And like, I'm just there like, you have to ask yourself like, oh, is it into black women? Is this something that you ask yourself even when you first like met your partner? I guess that is the, I'll answer the,
1: the last part first, because I think it's the simple, mm-hmm. the more simple one. I feel like it's yeah. unfortunate that we as black women even have to ask us ourselves that, like we even have to question yeah. when we mm-hmm. are being loved. I feel like you, you also know, like as long as it doesn't feel weird and as long as it's not weird, then it's probably not weird. And at least in my case, like it wasn't weird. Um, I think mm-hmm. that it's, it's important to say say that, I mean, me and my boyfriend met almost 10 years ago. We've been together for like seven years now, lived together for four. And so I think that time was a huge role because since we met when we were so young, um, we grew together and he witnessed a lot of things that I went through and he saw the conversations that I was having online and we would then have those same conversations in real life so I mean of course he's not black he didn't grow up black but he has he has a second hand experience uh if we're like I'm trying to do the math of my age what's half of 25 12 (laughs) like we we've been together for almost half of our lives so I mean that has to count for something Mm -hmm. you know and so I think that made it a lot easier They, they there wasn't a lot of I didn't, there wasn't, of course, there were things that I had to explain and there were cultural differences, especially from, you know, the Italian versus American aspect. But in Mm. terms of, you know, the Black experience, he saw it firsthand. He, there was nothing to deny. There was nothing to question because he saw it with his own two eyes the way people were looking at us. He saw it with his own two eyes how I would get treated differently whether I was outside with him or whether I was not. And I mean, that that's made our relationship... Um, Easier, I guess, than if I were to have to, you know, just meet somebody today who's already a fully formed human, we'll say, with their mentality and their uh, baggage. I I think it would be a lot harder to um, explain certain things and make somebody understand certain things. Not saying it's impossible, but it was definitely easier for us, the fact that we got together when we were still teenagers and, you know, Mm -hmm. we basically grew together
0: yeah oh that's so good that's so nice like yeah like, and I like yeah <laughs> yeah like yeah Look, like no, no. you make like when I see you like it makes like it makes me happy like yeah it makes me awful like yeah so like yeah that's, like that's nice I like what you said like the fact that even as black women we have to question the fact like of being loved even by our own men so it's just like I mean specific, I just
1: cannot yeah. imagine a white woman asking herself oh does he love me because I'm white is he into white girls like I don't I that's can't it. see that happening so like personally that's for it. you if you don't feel weird then it's probably not weird
0: okay yep that's it that's it and like yeah so you said like you have this conversation like with your partner and like I, and I, I like also the fact that you said like he saw with his two eyes and he couldn't deny it because you know there are people that they will still deny it like they will still be like oh it wasn't that and I'm just there like did you did you see what I saw like did you, you see what I'm saying like what, what's going on here like so like I'm glad like he acknowledged that experience and what about like his family like is there also a conversation that you have with them do you happen to have that conversation with them
1: I mean, not explicitly, it, it's never been somewhere like something where I, I, what I will say is that they've consistently exceeded my expectations on everything. Oh, wow. um, I, even the fact like, you know, coming to Italy in the first place, as I I said, when I first came here, I had a really positive impression in terms of like how people were treating with me. And that was coming from, you know, the stereotype that Italy has for being a bit racist uh, Mm -hmm. abroad. So, I mean, in in that first level, like the fact that they weren't (laughs) racist was great. And then, you know, as we got to know each other as people, like they really liked me, they really respected me. And the relationship even with his family grew quite organically. And yeah, in the last year, like me and especially his mom have had conversations because I I, like I tell her about colori I tell her about work I tell her about my struggles I also tell his like his family was there when I went to Africa for the first time and came back and how that changed me and I had conversations with them on that and they've been very you know respected um receptive and open and we have good conversations as well so definitely like I said I, I got pretty lucky because i know yeah. that it
0: could have went completely different that's it that's it well yeah send some luck on our way to <laughs> <Yes, laughs> of course of course yes yes no i really no. know i love like hearing people like having great experiences i also love that because i think sometimes like we can limit our mind and our opportunities even to meet someone based on like negatives their, the negatives. That's it. That's yeah. it. So like yeah. Well, remember people, do not like let love pass you by because of stereotypes and other things. So like yeah, Tia, may I say thank you so much for joining me today for thank this conversation. Thank you for
1: having me. It's thank you so much.
0: It's been a pleasure for me and an honor as well. Like it's not every day that influencer friends will come and join you and support your projects so remember like i'm truly 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 grateful i'm not kidding like i'm truly truly grateful like because it's not every day so i'm like i appreciate you like just like is there anything you want to share that like you haven't shared on the podcast that you would like to share in this episode um no
1: i just i just shamelessly plug colori everybody go follow colori.it <laughs> and that's kind of it. it if you want to follow me too then that's that's fine i'm Miss Tia taylor underscore uh just about everywhere mm. and yeah see you on the internet
0: yeah that's it like please go and follow tia please go 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 and follow tia taylor please go and share support go and follow colori colori is in italian But like, I think if you know Italian, please go follow, check it out. And I also say bye to you people. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, don't forget to follow the Instagram page of the Chronicles of a Black Italian Woman, which is at Chronicles of A-B-I-W. And uh, also you can follow my personal page at Smiley Benny with two Ys in the end. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I have a great day, week, whatever time it is. I have a great one. And like, yeah, thank you so much for listening today. Ciao.